Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast whose shadow self just tried to erase its own brain with a torture machine. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. Together, we're working our way through the entirety of the MCU, even if we have to ride in Daisy's fartmobile to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be that kind of show. So listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6. Well, I've mentioned the last couple of episodes of our podcast that they have stopped throwing me any bones as far as four color facts go. And this has never Mm -hmm. been more true than in season six. They don't have, like, there's no comics for, like, Shrikes or Izel or, like, nothing? Hey, I'm going to lay this on the line. Shrikes seemed vaguely familiar to me. And I Uh just decided not to bother Googling it because, (laughs) because, well, first of all, I feel a little cheaty when I have to go Google Mm -hmm. it, which is ridiculous because I've probably Googled like 10% of the things that I have brought up on this show. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You did. Okay. Of course you did. Of course you did. I, it never, like, okay, because the fact that, like, I would say something, like, random and you would be able to go off the top of your head with stuff, why does it surprise me that you didn't Google, like, most of all of these four-color facts? You know all of this stuff off the top of your damn head? Okay, well, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the times when I gave, like, publication dates and stuff, of course I have well, to look sh- that okay. up. Okay, yes, publication dates, but, like, just the details. That, wow. If wow. I did Google it. I admitted it on mic because you may remember, I'm trying to remember a couple of examples. Oh, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, like where I was just like, I know that Ghost exists. I've literally Mm -hmm. never read anything with Ghost in it and I wasn't going to start now. So So you remember all of these. Wow. Okay. Now I'm even more impressed. Okay. Now you're just building it up. I was sure you were Googling a whole bunch of this stuff. Yeah. I have definitely, absolutely checked obscure Mm -hmm. things like publication dates and i have confirmed Mm -hmm. things that i was pretty sure about through the power of google and wikipedia but i have never except for when i have admitted it on mic just been like (laughs) fuck i don't know and googled it (laughs) and i'm gonna be real with you there's two other factors here one of them is Mm -hmm. and i mean this is just a preview for the rest of our conversation probably Mm -hmm. but one of these things is that season six didn't do enough fucking work for me to do any work (laughs) Googling Shrike. Okay. And the other thing is that I made a promise a couple of episodes ago that I was concerned I wasn't going to be able to pay off. Yes. And that is I was going to talk about the 616 antecedents, kinda, Mm -hmm. to the Chronicoms. Kinda. All right. Now, kinda. I, 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 it's more kinda all the time because season six <laughs> actually broke most of what I was thinking Chronicoms were all about. So I'm mostly okay. going to talk about Enoch, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Okay, great. Uh, and great. how he made me think of his what I was thinking until this season of as his six one six antecedent because they really did feel like they were the TV budget version of this of this thing. Like, yeah. uh, let, I, let me explain. So, okay, mm-hmm. the Watchers. Specifically, mm-hmm. Uatu the Watcher. 
Okay. Now, mm-hmm. the Watchers themselves, we've actually briefly seen in a Guardians of the Galaxy after credits scene where mm-hmm. we see an astronaut character, played by Stan Lee, who is explaining all of his many misadventures across the MCU and suggesting that either all of those cameos are the same character or they're all connected by some cosmic Stan Lee-ness. Do you remember this? Okay, <laughs> right. I don't. You don't? I don't remember that. Okay, yeah. well, uh, this may jog your memory. I have given you a link just in case. <laughs> Because you should click the link and see. Oh, my God. I love it when there's a link in the show notes. See what watchers look like. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So that is Uatu the Watcher. For those of you at home, because this is an auditory medium, (laughs) he looks like a giant big headed baby man. In a yes, toga. I would say that's, yes. Big headed baby man in a, in a toga is absolutely the perfect description of what I just saw. Yes. And if you go Google up mm-hmm. that image from Guardians of the Galaxy, I used yes. a comic book image because I, I, I didn't like any of the angles that I could find. Uh, you just mm-hmm. basically get the big baby man head and then a cloak, right? So I wanted to show uh-huh. you that's our watcher that I just showed uh-huh. you. Earth's okay. watcher. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. So going back to your cosmic Stan Lee-ness, I actually really mm-hmm. appreciated that scene on its own because witnessing all those amazing events firsthand would intrigue watchers because, mm-hmm. as you can tell from their names, watching shit right. is their raison d'etre. Yeah. It's what they do. It's what yeah, they do. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of background for you. The watchers mm-hmm. are an incredibly ancient species of cosmically powerful beings with lifespans, both personal and as a civilization, <laughs> measured on a galactic scale. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. They live and die like stars just past them. So like, we're like, oh, the seasons have passed. And they're like, I remember when that star that is dying was a nebula. <laughs> you know, that's, they're very old and they pay okay. attention to detail is what I'm Okay, about. okay, all right. So they are, as a species, committed to the observation and recording of knowledge throughout the universe while operating under an oath of strict non-interference. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see, once, long, long ago, one of the Watchers intervened to give a planet advanced technology, and then he left. Mm-hmm. And when they returned, they were horrified to discover that the denizens of that planet had taken the technology and used it to all but <laughs> obliterate themselves. <laughs> Naturally, this alien race blamed the Watchers for giving them technology they weren't ready for, and the Watchers took this lesson to heart and swore that oath of non-interference. Okay. Mm-hmm. But of course, Earth causes problems. Yeah. Uatu, the Watcher of Earth's solar system, lives on the moon in the blue area, which you mm-hmm. may recall is the garden of Earth-like atmosphere created by scrolls, sure. and then with a city created by Cree, mm-hmm. who built the city to try and outdo the scrolls who were building the garden. And then when they didn't think they pulled it off, the Cree just murdered the scrolls. You may recall okay. that. I, I do of remember so, some of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the blue area of the moon, which is right. where Uatu mm-hmm. lives. He's observed Earth for millennia and only breaks his oath of non-interference to warn the Fantastic Four, who -hmm. inspired him with their heroism, Uh of the coming of Galactus the World Eater. So he was like, oh, shit, I actually really like this. This is my favorite channel. Galactus is going to come and eat my favorite channel. I should probably tell these extremely heroics group of folks in spandex about that so maybe they can do what nobody else in the entire galaxy has ever done and stop Galactus the World Eater. Okay. 
They did, right? They've done that a couple of three times since then. But the first Mm -hmm. time, yeah, yeah, our Earth is still there. Good news. Uh, Naturally, though, Uatu kind of developed a taste for this. He's Mm -hmm. bent and broken that oath numerous times since, as the heroic example of Earth's superheroes inspired him to do the right thing, even when censored and banished by his own people. Oh, that's kind of a sweet story. It is. It is. Yeah. But, you know, it's but it's modern Marvel. So he winds up murdered. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not going to go into it because I don't like it. It doesn't make me happy. But, you know, modern uh... Marvel. Oh, do do we have a piece of cosmic ephemera that has lent gravitas and interesting intergalactic scope to our story? Let's murder it. <laughs> basically, I'm just being real. That's a lot of modern Marvel. All okay. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Now, the Watchers are not synthetic beings like the Chronicoms are. Mm -hmm. They're flesh and blood, but as I mentioned, impossibly ancient and able to draw upon the fundamental energies of the universe, much like the Celestials, who we've discussed, Mm -hmm. or the Elders of the Universe, who Mm -hmm. we've also discussed. And note something amongst all of these people that can draw on that primordial power. They're all assholes. (laughs) So the fact that Uatu manages to be the one non-asshole and it gets him murdered. Of course he gets. Of course. What is going to get you murdered more than being a decent person? I I ask you. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Nevertheless, I get the feeling that Enoch and Uatu would get along as they are Mm -hmm. both weird extraterrestrial voyeurs who can't stop being inspired by their charges to reckless acts of heroism, right? (laughs) Right. Now, to finish out the Watchers, we're actually going to get to see more of them, uh, Uatu in specific, I believe, because Mm -hmm. in addition to the cameo of nameless Watchers and Guardians, Uatu himself will be the host of the new What If animated series on Disney+. Ooh, how fun. Yes, it's going to be great. You're going to love it, especially because I do believe the very first episode of What If is what if Peggy became Captain America? Oh, my God. You know, I think they phrase it. What if she got the super soldier serum? Because clearly Uh, mm -hmm. she's going to be, you know, Captain Britain. Although we have one of those two. We'll just Mm -hmm. see how it goes. We'll just see how it goes. But you'll get to see Uatu every Uh week hosting the show because he actually used to host the what if comic book also like he okay. was the behold i see all and know all for i am uatu the watcher let me show you some really fucked up shit <laughs> this is an animated series uh yes yes mm-hmm. based on a comic book series by the same yeah. name where mm-hmm. they would often take one big item from mm-hmm. marvel history and say what if it happened different right so Ooh. what if jane found the hammer instead mm-hmm. of donald blake what mm-hmm. if aunt may was bitten by the radioactive spider one of my personal favorites what if aunt may became a herald of galactus what if what if what that's, if? That's literally the title. What if? What if Punisher <laughs> killed the entire Marvel Universe? Shit like this. It's mm-hmm. it, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that animated series quite a lot. And not only because a bunch of other people are suddenly going to be confronted with a giant headed man baby in a toga. <laughs> Who I guarantee that they are going to like give some kind of like incredibly like very serious like behold the cosmic secrets. They're not going to make them all chibi. <laughs> I I suspect no. 
<laughs> How could he stand up? His head would be even bigger. His head is already so huge. Right. So if you chibied him up, his body would get even smaller and his head would get bigger. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's kind of in line with his general aesthetic anyway. But Well, I can't I can't say you're wrong about that. I just feel like logistically it might be kind of a challenge for the guy. <laughs> hey, it's animated. We don't have to worry about it there. You can't watch yeah. anything if your head's so heavy that your forehead is plastered to the ground all the time. Like, I can't. <laughs> I can't watch anything except for the grain in the floor. Yeah, but animators can draw whatever they want. Anyway, my whole point is let's move on to talking about season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I want to start with our overall responses, you know, to season six. Um, uh, You know, we just came off of season five. And for those of you who maybe weren't with us for those previous discussions, um, Season five, Ages of Shield was not was not great. It was not a high point in the run of the series. Um, so now we're moving into season six, and I'm very curious to get a sense of how you felt about season six on its own, how you felt about it in the context of the rest of the series, especially coming after season five. Like, what what do you think about season six, Joshua? As if I don't know, because you weren't texting me the whole time you were watching it. <laughs> Okay, honestly, I'm I'm going to say ladies first because some okay. of what I say sparks off of some positive things you had to say. So, okay. uh, I don't right. want to steal your thunder by giving my my thoughts, but you did force me <laughs> to rethink my okay. relentless negativity. So, okay, please good. Good. I'm glad. By all means, like you tell me, what were your, this is your second time through season six? Is that right? This is my second time through season six because season six aired like last year. So uh, up until like everything else that we had done in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like as seasons would, I would watch the whole season, you know, when Mm -hmm. it came out and then I would go back and watch it again. And so uh, every now and again, like I would say once a year, I run through the whole series. So I've been doing that. So everything else I've seen a number of times, but now we're getting towards the end of the series, more recent things that have aired. And so I haven't seen it as much. Um, I do remember that when I watched it as it aired, and that was watching week to week, which is also kind of a different experience. Um, as I watched it as it aired, I was not that impressed. I didn't care for it that much. Um, I I was a little confused by it, um, you know, as, as I ran through it. And I enjoyed some of the other parts I didn't really care for. Um, but the thing that I like about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. just in general, um, but which I think can make each season a bit of an adjustment, because I find that the first time I watch something, I have a certain feel about it. And then when once I know what to expect and I watch it again, I usually enjoy it a little bit more than I did the first time, with the exception of probably the back nine on season five. But um, but mostly I once I know what to expect, I enjoy it more. And that has been the case with season six as well. Like I actually enjoyed it more than I did the first time. I could follow more of what was going on because every episode is so packed with so much stuff that if you have to wait a week between how you can keep track of all of that stuff, you know, especially like now I didn't watch season seven. I waited until it was all done and mm-hmm. then watched them all. Um, and we'll talk about that next time. Um, but uh, but yeah, like how you can keep track of everything with so many moving pieces, so many things going on. For me, I just I just couldn't like focus on it. Um, but I do like that they do something so incredibly different every season. They don't just sit back and come in and be like, 
all right, what are Mulder and Scully, you know, discovering this week? You know, like, it's not like that, right? You know, um, they come in and they take all of our, it's a game changer at the end of every season. We end up in an entirely new context. And I have to say, I mean, I think ever since like season three, probably we've been doing this to a greater and greater degree, mm-hmm. every iteration, you know, to the point where we have, you know, a guy with his head on fire. Like, we, you know, just crazy shit is always happening and they're always like upping the ante. I respect the hell out of that because that mm-hmm. is not easy to like reinvent your entire world every time you come back to like plan a new season. Um, and also like I enjoy it. I like seeing all of these characters in new contexts with new situations coming up. Um, it's really been kind of fun. So I actually I, I did enjoy season six more than I did the first time. I would say it's not my favorite season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but I don't I don't hate it. So <laughs> how do you feel about season six? Well, I couldn't damn it with fainter praise if I tried, <laughs> I think. Uh, but I will say that I agree with you very much that whatever mm-hmm. other complaints I may have about this show, and I have many, <laughs> the fundamental story engine is never allowed to go stale. They change yeah. it up every single time for better or worse. And I admire the hell out of that moxie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> that constant evolving status quo <laughs> is a reason that you would perhaps think they should fall back onto solid storytelling techniques, <laughs> which they steadfastly <laughs> refuse to do. <laughs> And it's a problem that I feel mm-hmm. balloons over time. Like some of season six's problems as a big hot mess are that they yeah. are inheriting a big hot mess, a mm-hmm. bigger, hotter mess from yeah. season five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, we'll get into it, but all this fits in the freezer bullshit. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, like, like yeah. they, they were left in a position where they had to figure out how mm-hmm. they were going to tie half their team that fucked off to space in with the other half of team <laughs> that's being ignored by Endgame and fighting oh, Mega Coulson. Yeah, I don't even, Endgame doesn't even have, like, we have gone completely in an alternate universe now, I guess. Um, I'm led to believe that Marvel movie refused to tell them anything. Maybe, but we just completely. Oh like, yeah, I, don't did, see, I mean, there's no, know. there's they no five know. years of fifty percent of people being gone that they didn't nope. do. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. Just what that's assume all about. it's a jump five years in the head. It's easier on you. <laughs> uh, but but but. Mm-hmm. So I say, props to the constantly reinventing yourself. Yes. You know, plus ten points for style. Right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Minus several thousand points mm-hmm. for critical thinking because th- there's not there's not a good story like there's just not a good story here. Well, we've got an antagonist smoothie going on again, which we'll talk about in just yeah. a minute. Where they just take yeah. all these pieces of all these antagonists and throw them in the same blender. Just let's mix them up and see what happens. And so we're doing that again. Again, and I think that is what broke a big part of season five. And yet they're like, hey, you know how that shit didn't work in season five? <laughs> Doubling down. Okay, let's double down. Yes. Okay. So (laughs) this is what I'm saying. I think here I am nearly Mm -hmm. at the end of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. And despite some dead cat bounces in the middle, (laughs) I am beginning to think that my initial assessment of Agents was correct. Uh It's not for me. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't think it's very well written mm-hmm. almost all of the time. I don't think they do enough to make me care about these characters, even when they're treating them like characters, which let's be real is about 50% of the time that they're on screen. <laughs> possibly less like that's a that's an average Mm -hmm. daisy takes it way down way down (laughs) i just you know so yeah so there's definitely been some high points and some things that genuinely delighted me but as we are going into season six and as i gear up for the actual ultimate season seven i really think that my thought about agents of shield right now basically boils down to this existed and i watched it i Okay, I it's funny because I I love this show. Like I'm not gonna lie, Clearly. I love this show. I love the actors on it. There is something about this show that is made specifically to delight me. Can I put my finger on exactly what that is? I don't know. I think it may just simply be the charm of these characters and these actors. There's just something about them that makes me happy to be with them. Honestly, honestly, it's not entirely unlike my response to Gilmore Girls. Like Gilmore Girls. Have you watched Gilmore Girls? Um, I did when it was airing originally. And then mm-hmm. I watched the revival. And when oh. I realized that everyone is literally a villain. Everyone's the worst. Yes. I should never revisit the original because I don't think it's as different as I would it's like it not. to be. I yeah. just rewatched it again. It's not all of the people in it are just fucking terrible. And I loved every minute. Yeah. Like I just there's <laughs> something about it. There's like certain things that I just really enjoy. And so despite the fact that with all of my critical faculties, I can look at that and say this, 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 and this. It ain't good. It ain't good. Um, Especially Gilmore Girls. Okay, that's a whole other podcast. But my bottom line is. That's not a promise. Nobody. That's not a promise. Do not email us. Oh, my God. Can you imagine dragging Joshua through Gilmore Girls? Nobody email us. I almost want to do it. At Joshua Unruh. Go ahead and ask him. Um, We'll talk about that later. Anyway. Auto block. Auto block. (laughs) (laughs) How fun that would be. Anyway, bottom line is uh, Gilmore Girls, in a certain way, is specifically made to delight me. And you know, the motto of Chipperish is love what you love. I love it, despite the fact that I very clearly see all of these very serious problems with it. And on occasion, it does make me want to like punch a wall or flip a table like that happens, you know, um, and and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think for me is kind of the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I see sure. the problems in it. I completely <laughs> acknowledge the antagonist smoothie. Um, I can see why you wouldn't be interested in Daisy. I kind of love her, but I love Chloe Bennett. Um, so I, uh-huh. I just I, I love all of these actors I so much, Joshua. No, so much. You don't understand how much I love these people. And so there's just something like there's nothing they do is going to is going to make me not enjoy watching them. So anyway, um, that's how I, I know say, how much you love them. Yes. Like I do get like kind of a reflected glory of this <laughs> because you love them so much that you overlook literal seas of terrible choices. I don't overlook them. I acknowledge them. I just well, still love the show anyway. No. Okay. F- very fair. Overlook was too strong. Yes. No, I, I see them there. I acknowledge <laughs> that these are problems. I just still personally love it. And this is the thing. Like, I hope that my ability to love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., even though, yes, it has some serious problems, um, it, you know, shows everybody love what you love. Like, I'm walking yeah, the walk. Absolutely. Love what you love. It does not have to be excellent or good or the absolute best quality no. of anything. If you love it and it makes you happy in a world where happiness 
And Man. Joy is on a shoestring budget. Like, fucking grab it where you find it. And I am going to say that while we go through all of these things that were wrong with season six, and I will absolutely acknowledge that they're all wrong, I still love the show, and I'm still going to watch it over and over and over again the whole thing through. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. And actually, yes. as you mentioned... Mm-hmm happiness on a shoestring budget right now Mm -hmm. i need everybody listening to know that i love you (laughs) and i want you to enjoy the things that you enjoy even if it's agents of shield and i'm i just need nobody to expect me to enjoy it because if they're not going to put the damn work in i'm not going to put the damn work in and friends they are not okay all right I needed to watch all that behind the scenes shit, but I couldn't because I was spoiler averse. Little did I know that might have. No, I well see. Me. I don't know. Like I loved the show from I, I've loved the show the whole run through anyway. And that's why I watched all the behind the scenes shit and then fell more ah. in love with all of these people. And then there was the dub smash musical like challenges between them and the uh, Agent Carter people. And there's just a lot of things that I really enjoy about these people. I like the work. I do enjoy the show, like even though. But but yeah. I'm going to acknowledge that there's there's shitty stuff there. So I just want to say to everybody out there listening that, yeah, we're going to come in here and we're going to shit all over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know what? That's fine. If you love it, then love it. And it's OK. And it doesn't matter what we think if you love it. So anyway, antagonist smoothie. Um, we have a situation here similar to what we had at the end of season five, where we've got all of these antagonists all mixed up together. And I don't entirely know what the hell is going on. I mean, we have this, you know, big reveal moment, right, where, you know, the big space truck comes in and they're blowing up a museum and then we see Clark Gregg you know Phil Coulson or sort of Coulson or maybe Coulson uh Nega Coulson right um step out of the of the truck and he's all badass in black jeans and everything <laughs> which was which honestly just that itself regardless of the story which is faulty like just the visual of that was fun for me um, oh I'm I'm yeah. certain that there are people of a particular uh sexual orientation who were immediately dehydrated <laughs> Just by that vision. I get it. I get it. Hey, look, if, if Colson is a sexual orientation, then I am one of them. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we've got Sarge, whatever he is, and his band of merry men, right? We've got Snow and the Butterflies, where every time somebody dies, you're going to be a beautiful butterfly. And I can't do the Australian accent. You don't want me to because it's bad. Um, then there's, I tried to remember their names. There's Big Guy and Beardy. Right. You know, these two other guys, Jocko, I believe, is the big guy and Jocko, the giant and Beardy McGee. I'm just Beardy McGee. I don't know. So um, so we've got this like this troop of people who are running through the universe, chasing down, as we discover later, the Shrike which are coming in and killing everybody. And we've got this whole complicated uh, story for Sarge, you know, Colson, Nega Colson, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> you know, but Listen, we don't have you, any sense I have of who to get they my are. joy where I get it, which means I'm going to make Darkwing Duck references. Okay. He's <laughs> Nega Colson. No matter what they All called right. him on this show. I'm just, All yes. Right. All At right. any rate, that's fine. That's fine. Sarge. Um, so, so we've got his his band of people running through, trying to save all of these universes by killing off the Shrike and blowing up museums and whatever. Um, so, so we've got that to start with, right? And you're thinking, okay, so this is what we're going to be doing. 
you know, right? Like, right. like Nega Colson is going to be our antagonist. And so we've mm-hmm. got him mm-hmm. on the opposite side from our, you know, plucky band of agents who have just lost, you know, Phil Colson, um, who are dealing with all of that grief, you know, um, and like, okay. And then we move through all of these other things. We end up with Izel. Right. You know, who picks up Fitz and Simmons out in space and gives them a ride home. Um, but is is our bad person. Um, and so we've we've got her. But then but then she knows who Phil is or who Nega Coulson is. And Nega Coulson is actually like a demon from this other world. But he's like her, but he doesn't have form. But then then Coulson went into the rift in season five and gave him, I don't know, a DNA. I don't know. And then he became Coulson and he sort of has some of Coulson's memories, I guess. So he sort of remembers like these people, but then he doesn't. But then he stabs Maine. I don't under like... And Izel's just running through people and killing people. Like, I don't understand. The Shrike, though, like the little the little bats, like they're, I mean, design-wise, they are cool. They are terrifying. They don't appear to have, like, sentience. You know, they appear just to be, fly my pretties from Izel, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. The design is beautiful of yes, the Shrike. Yes, the Shrikes are great. Yeah. I, I mean, like, they aren't great. Because they're dumb. But well, because as they a don't design have, item. Right. Designed, purely design-wise, not as far as like storytelling as an actual like sentient antagonist, right? They, they suck for that. They're not good for that. But I mean, as a general design, it is horrifying. It is like beautiful in a really ugly, horrible way. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and I think the design of them is wonderful. I mean, they look like little bats, you know, and they go flying into yo-yo. I mean, that's terrifying, you know. You watch um, them climb down people's throats. I can know. we talk for just a second yes, about how there should have been a fucking warning label on this season? Because you don't just get to trot out a shit ton of body horror without <laughs> warning people. Well, like, yeah, because this uh, is not, we haven't done this. No. Before. Before. So we've had some of that kind of stuff. Like we had some, you know, pretty horrible stuff on the alien planet, you know, sure. with, uh, with the the hive, you know, uh, mm-hmm. before he came here and became Ward. Um, you know, so there was some terrifying stuff there. There's some scary stuff. We do have moments. But this is like, uh, you know, to see these spiky crystals shooting out from inside people and you see their organs and their blood on the pieces of the crystal. And then they're still alive a little bit, like for a little while, you know, for a minute or so. And that is terrifying. Like the whole thing. Oh, God. It should have been rated C for Cronenberg. Like this whole season. (laughs) It's beautifully done. That's probably the best part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I do really like the idea Mm -hmm. of these like really extremely organic looking Mm -hmm. things these kind of bat bird things crawling into you is terrifying but then bursting out of that is this crystal lattice work and at Mm -hmm. first i was like what the fuck is the point of that and it takes long enough for us to find out but when it builds their little tower that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be like drawing Izel in i was like oh that's great because of course they're just gonna if there's a bunch of them it's big if there's only three of them it's small but that's how crystals work like Mm -hmm. that stuff yes the shrikes are like 
this spectacular idea that I feel like was in somebody's dream journal or whatever. Yeah. And they just decided to put it in the season and worry about how it fit later. It's beautiful. I love the name too, the Shrike. Like that is, that's terrifying in and of itself. Like it's really like, I love all of the design of that. The mm-hmm. storytelling elements, not great, but, but I love the design of that. And then we've got now suddenly the bad Chronicoms, right? Um, who <laughs> <Apparently>. are coming <laughs> in, like the thing is, is that it's it's one thing to have, you know, Sarge comes in and then he's related to Izel and to the Shrike and there's that whole thing. So they come in, we're, we're dealing with that. So when there's when there's a handful of antagonists that are all related to the same thing, that's fine. But then we've got the Chronicom coming in out of here from left fucking field, right? You know, um, you know, kidnapping people and trying to figure out what's and like, you know, steal a planet or whatever it is they're trying to do because their planet got destroyed. Like there's this whole big thing. And then you know the chronicoms were enoch that's those are enoch's people you know mm-hmm. enoch yeah. is is good and we've seen him be good and with the other one that we had last season who was there at the lighthouse when they got back seems yes. like seemed like a lovely fellow right so sure, yeah. then all of a sudden and i understand that like you know chronicom not a monolith, sure. I'm sure that just like every, you know, group of people that there's a certain percentage that are assholes. Like, I get it. I'm a human. Nobody understands that more than a human. But at the same time, the Chronicom are also kind of data, you know, like they're, you know, he's one of the anthropologists Then we've got the hunters and the hunters are like the warriors and all that kind of stuff. But that's, I don't know, there's something that just felt a little outside a little in contrast with the the idea of this particular race of of beings whatever they are um so you know they come in kind of out of left field and then you know not to not to be terribly spoiled but but their story i mean clearly at the end their story is going to continue into the season seven um but the overlap with season six felt just distracting it didn't i didn't feel like it worked in harmony with the rest of the antagonist story that we had going going on so it just was was confusing and distracting for me yeah i am really really confused by chronicoms (laughs) um i feel like when it was just like one or two random people and Mm -hmm. that all they are is like these secret watchers that's what they do i was like okay right like i Mm -hmm. get that i've seen watu the watcher i I understand that the observers from fringe they're very much like that right Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. but this is like a more gritty version of yeah. those where they're living among us and yeah. and I always like mm-hmm. the idea of human beings causing some kind of change mm-hmm. in the alien that's sent to observe right. them, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love the idea of Uwatu being inspired by the heroism of the Fantastic Four and being like, that's it. I'm breaking the rule because it's the right thing to do, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my friends. And then Noah, the uh, the kind of replacement Enoch mm-hmm. that we had around for right. a minute, does the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, but now that we have to like care about them, I'm just left with so many more questions than yeah. answers. Like they're rope, they're not robots. They're synth- they're, they're synthetic beings. Ish. Yeah, yeah, they're androids. They're not kind organic. Of. They're yeah. not organic. Well, they're not. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, who built them? Like, is yeah. there a story there? I mean, yeah. uh, by the way, and just for the record, this is not me nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Like. Eight-year-old me did this with Transformers, too. Like, it's a whole planet of robots who built the first one. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been this way forever, friends. (laughs) But it is like, 
And I know what you're saying about how it's a setup for the next season, mm-hmm. but they are around so fucking much That's and have almost yeah. nothing to do with this that I'm like, right. a setup is like a scene every few something. episodes. Yeah. Right, exactly. This is like a subplot that they just decide to pay off next season is what it feels like. I, I think that, yeah, but it also doesn't really feed into the current story at all. No, as a subplot, it would have been... It's really working, good because uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the idea that Sarge either failed to save their planet or went ahead and blew it up in an mm-hmm. effort to get to Izel, like yeah. that as sort of a tangential thing that mm-hmm. happens that sparks a subplot right. is great. Like mm-hmm. that makes it feel like a cohesive world, yeah. you know, like things that happen here have consequences over there. Right. That I like. But then it just kind of like, you know, sp- grows and spawns i don't know like a big crystal latticework tower (laughs) for instance um yeah it's just Mm -hmm. they're around it's almost like they're around too much they're they're really interesting as Mm -hmm. bit players yeah and they did not put the effort in to make them actual whatever the hell they're supposed to be i can't even say protagonist or antagonist like they're uh, yeah, they're yeah. just it's just weird. But they're taking up a lot of real estate in season yes. six and that feels at odds with everything else that's going on. Um yeah. so okay, so moving on from the the big, you know, massive Gordian knot of antagonists uh, again, uh for Which reasons I, of I, I don't I just want to camp on that for one mm-hmm. more second. Yeah. I don't understand any of that choice. I'm just yeah. I, I don't I don't want to like I mean, I know part of what we do here is look really closely at the text and try and figure out what actually mm-hmm. makes sense and what's good, good storytelling technique and what's not. So I don't just want to sit here and be super shitty about it. Mm-hmm. But having a clear antagonist mm-hmm. is so baseline storytelling technique that yeah. I don't understand how this group of professionals managed to fuck that up this badly Two seasons running. <laughs> I think it's I, because I'm really, they, I'm legitimately confused. I can know. I can understand it. Like I understand how this happens because as a writer, you come in and you're like, "Ooh, cool idea," and then you you know you're also like, "Ooh, another cool idea." Oh, another cool idea, and then you throw it all in together into the pot when maybe you know editing. <laughs> Right. Right. You know, editing is helpful in cooking and in, you know, making a season's antagonist. Now, the idea that the real antagonist is Izel, like what they wanted is they wanted to have Coulson coming in and seeming like an antagonist. And we're all like, oh, my God, no, not Coulson. And then they wanted to, like, make it seem like he might be a good guy. Maybe he is Coulson. He remembers Sky. Oh, my God. Look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then they wanted to, like, kill you when they you see him thrust a sword through May's gut you know and and all that it's it's we want like i think i think they wanted all of these really cool things and so they built the scaffolding that they needed to make that happen um at least with the izel and sarge thing you know um and then and then turned him into some kind of weirdo alien guy where if you blow on him hard enough his skin flies off and you can see (laughs) that he's basically just a big cricket man like i don't know you know, like, honestly, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, so all of that just became so confusing because and that this is what happens a lot with writers is that they fall so in love with the twist 
that they will sacrifice everything else to make the twist happen. And the thing is, is that one twist, you know, all right. But when you're like, no, he's good. Oh, no, he's bad. No, he's good. Like when you go back and forth a couple of times, by the time you're at the end, like your your audience is like, I don't even care anymore because none of this makes any sense. That's definitely me Mm -hmm. here with Nega Colson. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was definitely me with Colson and his dying last season Mm -hmm. like again it's i just yeah anyway Mm -hmm. that's actually i want that to sound like me giving props to these people who show up and do a fucking job every day yeah because they did enough of a good job that Mm -hmm. i can get to this point and say how twice right Right. like i understand how once everybody makes mistakes well uh, yeah and you try something like the thing is is that you know and 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 you got to give them credit because they're they are always doing something you know they're always up to something they're always like like stretching the boundaries of what the show does which i absolutely love i love that they do that and you know but unfortunately because they're not focusing on or they're not being i think disciplined with their story technique and with their antagonists um we're paying for it in story so we're paying for cool with story and i think that that ends up being a problem at the end because you don't get the focus and without the narrative focus then at the end we're like okay what are we supposed to feel simmons is coming in with her hair in a weird bun and she looks strange and i don't know what happened to her and they're just coming in and taking care of everything and they're like i'll see you next season and you know and we don't really have a chance to resolve the things that happened you know in this season we don't get a chance to like work through our feelings about colson we don't get a chance to process anything that happened and i mean this is the biggest problem i think with agents of shield is that we don't have time to process what has happened we don't have time to go through everything and and um and that's part of what is great about fiction and what is actually like from a human perspective necessary about fiction and storytelling is that it does help us process things because we we go through this experience with the characters when you read a book or you know watch a movie and you cry like think about it you're reading marks on a paper or you're watching you know light and shadow and it makes you cry like that is an emotional that's magic okay anybody who wants any of this nonsense go to how story works and go listen to that podcast i go on for days about how storytelling is goddamn magic um but it is it's magic right so what part of the benefit of creating all of these like really intense emotional situations like you know somebody coming back from the fucking dead is that you can process that experience you can process Mm -hmm. that emotion you can process that grief and that helps us as viewers and as readers of all of these stories to process our own grief to process our own trauma like that allows us to do that the thing with agents of shield is that they're like frying pan fire another frying pan another (laughs) fire and you never get the moment where you can just breathe between and like figure it out you know and i mean the thing is is that here we have between season five and season six we've had a year right it's been a year Gemma and daisy been looking for fits may has been dealing with her grief like all of this kind of stuff but it feels like the next minute you know yep absolutely so um so all of it we don't actually go through that process of of you know dealing with everything that's happened with our characters here we have yo-yo and mac have broken up 
right? We don't see any of that. We come in to let us join you with your story already in progress. Like, what the hell is <laughs> happening there? You know, so we don't get this year of processing. We don't see Deke leave, you know, but then he comes back and we got to deal with that. Okay, we'll talk about Deke in a minute. Just I see the look on your face. Anyway, um, so you've got this whole, like, they've, they've set up this whole storyline. <laughs> There he is, just shaking his head at me. Um, Take thy beak from out my heart. talk about it in a minute. Um, so we have Mac and Yo-Yo and Keller, right? This this guy who ends up being our first victim of the Shrike, right? Um, Mac and Yo-Yo have broken up, right? Yo-Yo sure. is sleeping with this other dude who's, you know, good looking, seems like a nice guy, you know, mm-hmm, seems mm-hmm. like a cool guy for, you know, we hardly knew you, you know? Um, but we've built up this whole, like, they've broken up and we've got this, and I can't have any feelings about Mac and Yo-Yo being broken up because we're coming in a year after it happened and apparently we're just, this is just how it is now, you know? Um, who cares, right? I mean, I don't feel that, I don't feel these emotional beats the yeah. way that I think when you're building up these big story moments, you know, the value of that is is the is the come down after it, you know, that you've got to have that moment where you can come down. And here we've had just a year where everybody's gone through all this stuff and we haven't seen any of it. And then and then Colson shows up and you're all like, what the fuck? Right. Um, so it's it's that kind of thing, I think, that makes it difficult to to get that emotional processing, you know, because yeah, as soon yeah. as you're, as soon as you're with them, you're on that roller coaster again, you know? And that's, that's the thing with me where I have, I have no connection to mm-hmm. anything that's actually going on. Like I have no emotional connection mm-hmm. to what's going on. And part of that is because they have not done the best job over the course of six seasons with making actual characters all right. the time. Mm-hmm. Like, so I mean, Half the time, they just get moved to where the plot needs them to be. Right. You Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good example, like Mac and Yo-Yo. We never really saw them together. Not much. They were constantly being torn apart. Exactly. So them breaking up, who cares? Mm -hmm. And then they bring this Keller guy in. Yeah. And let me tell you something. (laughs) Keller actually fooled me. I actually thought Keller was going to be a thing. And Uh the reason that I thought Keller was going to be a thing is because this show has spent I lost track because I didn't know when I should start paying attention to them. <laughs> Let's say three seasons. Yeah. Three seasons pretending like Piper and, <laughs> and Davis. What's his name? Davis are actual people we should care about. <laughs> no. Yeah. And they just keep on doing it. Like I'm looking at them going, those are background characters. Why are they still speaking? Like I don't understand. Because they haven't earned. Like this is the thing yeah. is they is they they are in constant narrative debt. They haven't earned any of the the you know money they're spending, any of the story they're spending. They haven't earned it. And so that ends up you end up with this space where you're like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, eh, you but know. they fooled me for right. a minute. I cared about Keller because I thought Keller was going to be another Piper. I liked him. I actually liked I mean, Keller. He, was fine. he seemed no, yeah, he he's was fine. fine. He was fine. But then, of course, they they shot him up with a strike. And, you know, I mean, as far as the way to go, that's not the worst way to go. I mean, it is 
like literally it would you know, literally were, be the worst but i mean yeah. like from our perspective you know to see him as go a out, secondary character to see him go out with such a horrifying moment and the, the, the moment that we care the most about what's going on with this guy is when he gets shot up with crystals like um oh god it's so awful and every time i think about it about how the crystals would like elongate the arm you know oh boy god, have i awful. got a stack of movies you shouldn't watch i know right i know Woo. i'm terrible about this i'm terrible about this all right so Anyway. But anyway, you're right. That's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought Keller was going to be a thing, mm-hmm. even though they didn't really do a lot of work, because they basically, the work that they did with uh, with Piper and Wilkes mm-hmm. is just had them around long enough. Yeah. You know? And, uh, but but it's, but yeah, uh, it's like, I kind of thought he was going to be a deal, but I never really felt the breakup. So mm-hmm. how much of a deal could he nah. be? And then nah. he dies. And nah. then they get, and then Mac and Yo-Yo get back together on basically a whim and a beer. And yeah. I'm like. And like what? they've been apart for a year and all they have to do is have a like three second conversation and they're back together. Like that's you're, it's not earned. It's that she same thing. She hasn't even had time to mourn fucking Keller. Yeah. Like for real. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yes. If, uh, yeah. It's just it's not earned. So I think you yeah. nailed it and I'm going to be able to stop beating this dead horse. I'm just going to go narrative debt every narrative time from debt. now because you're right. Yes. That is a very valuable concept mm-hmm. and it is definitely the I would say probably over the course of the entire series, it's probably Agents' biggest yeah. like issue. It's biggest ongoing sin mm-hmm. is that they want to have these big moments and don't necessarily put the put the work in for them. They um, don't. And they don't do the yeah. payoff for them. They yeah. just have Not the really. moment the moment of shock and, and everything in the moment. The, <gasps> Coulson's back. Yeah. <gasps> oh my God, Crystal's just came out of this guy. Like, you know, all of that <laughs> stuff. We have these big moments and then we don't pay them off. We don't earn them leading up and we don't pay yeah. them off at the end. And so you end up in this constant cycle of narrative debt. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Fitzsimmons um, sure. because as you know as everybody listens to this know Fitzsimmons is honestly one of the reasons why I watch the show like I have loved Fitzsimmons from the beginning I shipped them from the beginning um, this whole thing I love bad girl shenanigans is one of my favorite things to come out of this whole thing um, I love it a bad girl shenanigans when Fitz and Enoch are having bad girl shenanigans it's still bad girl shenanigans I love it um, and I like badass Simmons I like Simmons who has been through this is Simmons who has seen some shit and is not here for it anymore and I kind of yeah. like that like I like yes. that element I've been wanting to see a dark Gemma turn uh, for a long time and we've never quite gotten her we've just gotten these hints right you know but you know a hint of something that's okay I'll take what I can get I like it um, the psychedelic shroom trip episode um, I absolutely hate I hate that episode because there is something about like, okay, when people are high, it's funny when it's your friends and you're just hanging out and they're being stupid. That's fun, right? When you're watching people on TV and there's supposed to be a story going on here and it is this endless joke about how they're under the table saying really weird, stupid shit. Um... It's just irritating. And then we've got, you know, Fitz and Enoch gambling away. And then at the end, Gemma and Fitz finally see each other for a minute. And then this fucking Chromicon comes in out of nowhere, takes Fitz away. And then it's like, oh, come on. You know, it's a bit much. Um, so I really hated that. Although I did like hard Gemma. I did like the tension between her and Daisy about whether to go back or whether to stay looking, you know. Well, I liked it for the 
picosecond that it lasted. Right. Yeah. I, you know what? Narrative debt. I'm just moving Narrative on. Debt. But I mean, I, yeah. I was ready for a rift between Daisy Which, and Gemma right. to be a thing. And that's exactly it. We did. We wanted to have that moment. We wanted to have that moment, but we didn't want to build it up and we didn't want to pay it off. Right. Because that's yeah. where the work comes in. But that's also where the, you know, the enjoyment of those narrative movements, you know, comes in. So I don't know. Anyway, they didn't want to do it. So they didn't. Um, but I will say that, like, the episode with Fitz and Simmons where they're in the mind prison you know, the Chronicom mind prison, right? Trying, They're trying to get this answer from them. And we go through this whole, uh, you know, an episode where they're basically processing his darkness and her darkness and all of these things. I actually really liked that episode. And what was so funny is that you're, wa- you're texting me as you're watching it being like, I know you're going to hate this shit. <laughs> More fool me expecting consistency. <laughs> oh, hey. No. Uh, sorry. No, you got to let me finish. When Agents of Shield is concerned. Stop it. No, I think that I am I am intellectually consistent when it comes to Agents of Shield. I know what the problems are. I'm just saying I usually like it. I love this <laughs> and I actually think it's a I think it's a good episode. Now the thing that you brought up is that you see this as a dream sequence, right? Which usually I hate. It's like three dream sequences in a trench coat pretending to be something good. (laughs) All right. Here's why I like it. Okay. First of all, it's not a dream sequence. The thing that I hate about dream sequences is that they are often these like, you know, vague kind of ambiguous, you know, gauzy, um, you know, poetic things that are like standing, pretending to be artistic and, and, um, you know, and unknowable, right? You know, ephemeral. Um, And I always find that annoying because it usually doesn't move the story forward here we have Fitz and Simmons going through the process of of processing all of this darkness that they've been through together right and for one thing for something that we never you know like in this show right it's frying pan of fire we don't have time to process we don't have time to like think about what these characters have been through and watch them change because of it and be affected by it um you know this is an episode where we're going through all of that the fitz is also finding out about his death he's finding out about colson's death he's finding out about everything that happened while he was gone he's seeing these these moments um you know Gemma is is you know putting it all in a box you know um mentally which i think is a fair like I've, I've i'm familiar with that kind of mental process i think that is a fair metaphor and i actually kind of like it the scott yelling that's so damn english is <laughs> i will admit a high point it is it is it's kind of nice um but the thing is is that they are experiencing this together this is something that everybody is conscious of it's a shared experience so it is in a reality it's just not the it's a memory reality more than it is a you know actual physical reality but they're sharing this experience together they're processing this experience together and up until the moment where murderous monster eat your heart out with my bare teeth. Gemma is making out with Leopold, the doctor fits. Um, I'm on, like I'm in it, you know, at that moment, I'm like, Oh dear God. That's when I rolled my eyes. And I was like, I just, I can't, you know? Um, so that was stupid, but I liked the rest of it. I actually really enjoyed that episode. That was the highlight of the, the season for me. What? Whew. Okay. 
You heard it here, folks. The dream sequence that pretends <laughs> not to be not a dream sequence. It's not a dream sequence. It's hey, not. Fan, hey, friends. What do you guys think? Let us know. Go ahead. Don't at me about fucking Gilmore Girls. <laughs> you at us about whether or not this was a dream I sequence. I don't think I'm it's just a curious sequence. what other people think because it works just like a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. It does have more narrative impact than most dream sequences i'll admit that but i mean it still works like a dream sequence where shit just happens because of brain logic like no but it's I'm actually going to literally retreat a into narrative my childhood process it is moving through a narrative process i think that that is actually legit i will defend it i will defend it and you know how much i hate a dream sequence um so anyway we go through that i really like all of that stuff um and it is definitely better than the stupid fucking wedding from last season which i still am not over God, I hated that. Um, I also like at the end with Gemma coming in all strange, all weird, you know, saving the day at the end in this very weird kind of way. Um, I think that that's interesting. And then, of course, we, you know, no spoilers, but that clearly is going to move us into season seven. They're clearly setting that up. Um, and uh, and so I, I just I really I liked all the Fitz and Simmons stuff. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, as, as good as it's going to get when they're not going to when you're not going to be anywhere but frying pan of fire, you know. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, it's fine. I mean, you know, I don't ship them as hard yeah. or indeed at all. <laughs> I mean, I still just think that they mm-hmm. would be healthier people if they were just, you know, genius friends who also fuck. I'm just. <laughs> well, I think that would have been an interesting story to tell, too. But th- this their is, whole yeah. lives would be better. But um, <laughs> just for real. But uh I did, I did, and we're going to talk, we, we, you have this, you know, kind of under the Enoch stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm going to talk about it with Fitz, because I was really confused by a lot of the Fitz characterization yeah. in this. Yeah. I like that he's still able to freak out yeah. about stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like that. Um, they play it a little hard for laughs yeah. too often, but mm-hmm. I like that. But he's super duper mean to Enoch for no apparent reason, yeah. and he's super duper nice to Deke. When there is no reason for him to be nice well, to when, Deke. When his other self that isn't that separated from this self hated Deke. Like, there's yeah. no there's no difference. Why would he like Deke here? Deke is worse right. here than he was. A, th- a, a thousand times worse. Yeah. A thousand yeah. times worse. Yes. So, yeah, I don't understand why he's so mean to Enoch. It's a completely shitty side of Fitz. And like, I know, like we saw him as the doctor and that was really, really bad Fitz. But this shittiness is rubber stamped as funny and okay and entertaining. And it's really not. I mean, the thing is like, yeah, you're thinking he's a Chromicon, right? He doesn't have feelings, but he clearly does because he is talking about being best friends with Fitz. So the thing is, is that Enoch is expressing love and affection and friendship And he loves and admires Fitz for whatever way that he can. So the idea that Fitz is going to treat him that way because he's looking at him as just a robot or whatever, I don't care. Like there was an episode of of Community in which the Joel McHale's character stood up with a pencil and said, "Hi, this is a pencil. His name is Steve. He has feelings." And then he breaks the pencil, and everybody goes, "Ah, you know." And that's a pencil. Like Enoch that looks like a human and behaves, you know, human-esque and is now exhibiting emotions. Like, how can you not have feelings about protecting them? Also, 
You don't just not abuse people because they're people. I mean, that is a big reason not to abuse people, but that's not <laughs> the only reason why. You don't abuse people because you are also a people and it's just shitty fucking people behavior. So like if you're not an asshole, you don't abuse people, whether they're the people that seem like people. I wouldn't hit. I wouldn't be mean to my kid's teddy bear. Right. So why would you be mean to Enoch, who, by the way, has saved your bacon quite a few times, Fitz. So fuck off and be nice. I don't understand that. I'm a person that says thank you to Siri. So I don't understand <laughs> why Fitz can't be nice to Enoch and why you are the worst. Right. Like all the time. Like, what is that? For anyone who has been sitting here listening to me and wondering what I mean by the 50% of the time that they're just moved around to mm-hmm. do whatever the script needs instead yeah. of treated like actual characters, here's your this season example. Mm-hmm. Like, like Fitz is really just like wheel of Fitz. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah, exactly. Like, which Fitz are we going to get whatever this scene requires? But I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, what if you are traveling with a robot? Right. Who is, you know, somebody that you're depending on to be clear headed and not have their emotions involved so that you've got somebody there. Right. Your emotions are all over the place because you're Fitz. Fitz is a very emotional dude. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, imagine if we'd had this moment where Enoch was like, you're my best friend. And Fitz was like, "Um, that's not how you're supposed to work like that's something's wrong here something's happening there is something happening to you and I'm curious about it like or if he he had seen that as some kind of malfunction if it was some kind of moment where he was like uh something's not right you know because you don't have feelings like you know I mean not that you don't have feelings so I can be a dick to you but you don't have feelings and now you're having feelings and that means that there's something going on here that I don't understand I need to understand what's happening you know um that especially because the last android you know or android adjacent type person you know whatever that had feelings (laughs) was ada and she kind of tried to like super kill everybody so i mean that would be something i could see tipping off it's and that could have been an interesting little subplot you know enoch's is enoch is having emotions what's going on with that like i think that would have been really interesting and yet instead we're just like oh let's just make it funny that fitz is an asshole you know yeah it's really it's really yeah. bad. Like, it's just, it it's not good. No. Um, because you're right. It, it raises a lot more questions than mm-hmm. it really puts down. Yeah. If we made a small subplot of Enoch growing more compassion and empathy, and then that was the reason that he was able yeah. to stand up to the other Chronicoms yeah. instead of hand wavy off screen bullshit. Right. I, that would be good. And again, to juxtapose this mm-hmm. with this version of Fitz, which is not significantly Mm-mm. different. Nope. Than our previous fits being so nice to Deke. And I know they did that on purpose. That right. was a purposeful choice. It had to be either to juxtapose that this is a different fits or just know, to ju- be funny or or to be. F- I get. Yeah, because other people okay. were still like, yeah, but Deke sucks, which yeah. they're right. But, <laughs> y- y- you know, <laughs> All so, right. I yeah, still it's like not Deke. great. That's fine. <laughs> I can't help it. I still like him. I know he's terrible. I know he's terrible. And as I watch him, I'm like, no, you're terrible. And that episode where they attack his headquarters, also totally stupid. Um, You know, he doesn't belong here, so he must be a Shrike. Whatever the fuck that was. That was so dumb. Um, The second laziest bringing back of a character that was from a previous season, the first one being Nega Coulson, which is just (laughs) lazy. Yeah. How do we get Clark Gregg back in this? Just have him show up. Just we'll make him do whatever. Bring him. We'll just put him back. Yeah. No, it's But all... I understand bringing mm-hmm. Clark Gregg back. Yeah. I don't understand bringing Deke back for 
fucking what? For what? For what? Like I didn't hate his grifter half-assery enough last season. Now I have to look at tech bro uber capitalist? Fuck off and die, Deke. Listen, season seven is a failure unless Deke dies in it. I declare it now. That's it. Okay, we'll talk about that when we get to season seven. It's a failure to me if Deke walks out breathing. I both agree with you on all points. (laughs) I concede every point. And still kind of enjoy Deke. I just do. I can't help it. So um, I don't know what that says about me. I will bring it to my therapist. It's fine. Um, I think you're fine because I think it all falls under the extremely uh, apologetic umbrella that is Agents of Shields, where it's like (laughs) he's just wrapped up in that, you know, like, oh, it's snuggly and warm in here. I just, he's just like, I think that, I I think I like the actor. I think honestly it comes down to that. I think I like the actor because, you know, from like a purely cold analytical space I do not disagree with anything that anybody says about how fucking terrible Deke is I absolutely am on board I just I like him anyway and I can't help it all right so closing this down we've got you would think this would be the main thing that we'd want to talk about because it's supposed to be central to the whole thing you know May and the Colson thing and Daisy and Daisy reading the letter from Colson and finally processing that grief. And here I am talking about how we don't earn the Colson grief, but they have Daisy reading the letter and you see some measure of emotion from May, who is suddenly talking to Yo-Yo about her feelings and that she should have this relationship to me. Okay. I, it doesn't work for me at all, and yet this feels like what I'm asking them to do, right? To process that grief, to process those emotions, and yet... But that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're actually doing. That's okay. sleight of hand, Lonnie. That okay. is sleight of hand. Thank because you. It's not, because it's not actually Colson. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's part of it. Like, it, at no point... But Daisy's point, processing her grief for Colson. She's opening up the letter that he left her. But she doesn't do that until this person, who isn't actually Colson, mm-hmm. calls her by the wrong name, which should right. actually be a red flag that he's that not he's the not. fucking guy. Because when yeah. Colson, when they got the pieces of Colson, like whatever, however they got the, the DNA from Colson in the rift and made this d- dude, which why... I, anyway, whatever. I can't... Let me... Uh, let me... No, let me swing back to this. Because... Because there's a problem here also, because this season is now shitting on previous seasons of itself. Yeah. And that, I mean, to the point where they hung a lampshade on it to where when they said, oh, that other Fitz was completely wrong about everything. And this Fitz is like, well, he's not the smart one. And I was like, whoa, whoa. First of all, that was garbage the first time you did it, Uh as we discussed. Like, that's exactly the thing Fitz should be not believing in. And then you're going to have a more different her but still the same fits come in and go nah he was a fucking moron and didn't know one damn thing about it I don't know how he actually closed the door it's not even actually a door by the way it can also apparently make new Colsons when everything else turned to smoke yeah when they sneezed on it uh-huh. but this motherfucker has been fighting a never ending war across galaxies for over a century like he never stubbed his toe yeah. and just burst into smoke how I, and oh sure it's because there's a Apparently some kind of demon thing at the center of him. But let's talk about how much I hate that bullshit. Okay, because yes. <laughs> Because that shit's backwards on Ghost Rider. At right, one point, right. they try and make it sound like the, the Ghost Rider is one of these motherfuckers. Yeah. And let me tell you, 
Ooh, uh, I'm so mad. Yeah. Magic fucking works. There are ghosts. There are demons. Stop trying to. And if you are going to turn them into some kind of extra dimensional being, mm -hmm. fucking actually do it mm -hmm. instead of just like, oh, we've seen something like this before. Like, man, this show the entire time has wanted to kind of like fuck magic without kissing it on the mouth. And this is the <laughs> worst example of that. I really. Oh, I just. You know, I love that I'm not the only one who gets ranty on these things. I, it's very fun. I just, no, I get it. I, I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So back to this whole thing. They don't. Okay, that was all about Colson. I'm yeah, sorry. But no, that was that, that wasn't quite as far afield as it sounded. No, it was all, all about Colson. Absolutely. What's Nega Colson? We still don't know. So I how still are we know. processing this grief without the year after We'd lost Colson without experiencing any of that. We come in, suddenly May is having touchy-feely discussions with, you know, if there's anything that I've learned, it's that you can't let this moment go by with you and Keller. Like it, what the fuck? Okay. Like, if you're going to change one. May, show me what makes her change instead of just be like, she leaves and she goes with Colson, and then she comes back and a year later she is not May anymore? Okay, I actually kind of like the May movement. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that they necessarily built us up to that. But remember, because of her stuff in the lighthouse and realizing mm -hmm. she was going to be a mom to Robin. Yeah. And, you know, and all this stuff, she was already None softening of which up. which we've seen her really process, though. No, That's no, what you absolutely. need. So the thing that I liked... Mm -hmm about this. This is like the May that I wish they would build to and then yeah. camp on for mm -hmm. a little bit because we did taciturn badass for yeah. so long. Mm -hmm. But in one scene, she's saying, here's some really serious advice about your relationship. Mm -hmm. And several scenes later, Yo-Yo's like, weren't you the one giving me the opposite advice? And she was like, that was yesterday. <laughs> because a bunch of shit had changed, right? right. This extremely uh -huh. pragmatic May mm -hmm. that is still, that is now more in touch with her emotions. I love that shit. Yeah. Like, that is... That is like a, an actual growth in that character that I would be interested in seeing mm -hmm. actually happen on screen <laughs> and then camp there for a minute. Because I yeah. really did like that. I, I bought her giving advice about not letting moments slip by you. Right. I mean, they didn't earn any of that main Colson shit. They, but if we're yeah. just going to accept it. Yeah. I liked that and bit. And I like, I like the idea of her doing having a character arc, but we didn't see yes. it. I didn't get to we see, see the it. character arc, and that's the problem. I don't yeah. mind her having an arc. I like her having an arc. That, I think, would be awesome. <laughs> Somebody should. But it's not earned, and it's really yeah. weird and totally uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so I yeah. don't know. It's just I, I didn't particularly care for it. So all of it is building up to this moment where he stabs May through the gut and then throws her through the portal door or whatever. And I, I don't even know. He stabs her, but he knew that she would survive. But he also is with Izel at that point, And he wants to be with Izel. But then he's like, no, fuck you, Izel. And then it's so much back and forth. It's so much flopping back and forth that honestly, at this point, I don't even know. And I care less. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was so honestly checked out and cynical yeah. by the end that I was like, oh, they threw her through a portal so that they could reuse the exact same set with a blue light on it. <laughs> hey, you know, those sets are expensive. So anyway, Joshua, I agree. six, what's your favorite part? Didn't know you'd like that.
didn't know you do that. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's your favorite part. You hate, you hate Dr. and Monster Gemma making out. Yeah. I understand why you hate that. At the same time, it's hilarious. It's okay. And actually, and actually makes all the sense in the world. <sighs> and the idea, and the idea that super straight-laced Gemma and Leo mm-hmm. would get sex tips from their dark sides <laughs> is pretty fucking fantastic. Like, yeah. there's probably some decently written fanfic that grows right from that moment, and that's some more shit I would like people to at me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd read that shit. Yeah. The... <laughs> Just just Gemma yeah. goes into the bathroom, like normal Gemma goes into the bathroom, does a little makeup, comes out looking like she's straight out of Ringu. <laughs> Fitz goes off into the closet and comes out in a suit, and then they just like do a little role play because of what they saw those two freaks doing. Honestly, the little the little journey that I went on is my favorite part, but that's the favorite part that sent me on the journey. So, Lonnie, tell me about your favorite part. Uh, my favorite part is Fitzsimmons in the Mind Prison. I just I like the whole thing. I except that, except, except for that my favorite one part. end. That's, well, yeah, <laughs> except that one part, which I will grant you is funny. It is funny. But I guess part of that is that I don't want funny. I want them to. Pro- I've been waiting for these fuckers to process the darkness for a long time. And I wanted them to take a season of torment and angst to process the darkness. And instead, we get one episode. And then at the end of that episode is a stupid joke. And I'm like, fuck all y'all. I just this is all I wanted is to process all of this darkness. And uh, and this is what we get. But I really did like the mind prison. It was fun. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. I am at Lonnie Diane Rich, and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. Be sure to at him and ask him about Gilmore Girls. And the hashtag is Listen Up A-Holes. This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by Chipperish and Pulp Diction producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These are possibly the only people that could convince me to do a Gilmore Girls podcast. And they're the reason why Listen Up A-Holes is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our September producers, Abigail, April, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelley. Thank you, producers, and to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, this message is for you. I'm no expert on Darillion Anatomy, but after I cut into your corpse... I will be. <laughs> to find out how you too can support Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions, our Patreon links are in the show notes. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or be a cautionary tale to steer children away from crime and excess. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up, A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of the seventh and final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Until then, go quake Sarge out of whatever planet he barfed out from. <laughs>